What you are about to hear is the ultimate blend of technology and entertainment. This is Conf T with your SE. That's right. This is Conf T with your SE. I am your host, Brian Young. We are back with another episode and super excited about this one today. Uh, I've got a very special guest. Uh, we actually go back. Well, <laughs> I think he's special. I think he's special. Sliding scale. <laughs> Sliding scale. Uh, now you got my 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 thing all screwed up here. This is Sorry, uh, no, you're good. This is Chandler Bassett. Uh, Chandler and I actually go back to uh, our days together at Cisco. Um, so, uh, Chandler went to another company that we're going to be talking about today called Pure Storage, and uh, definitely excited to have him on to talk about that today. So, Chandler, why don't you just give us a, a quick uh, introduction of yourself? <laughs> Thank you, Brian. Thanks for having me. Uh, first time, long time. Uh, no i'm chandler bassett uh i am the pre-sales engineering leader for the commercial northeast teams here at pure uh i love the walks on the beach candlelit dinners things of that nature uh no i have a, a strong obsession with whiskey i love the spirit i famously say the only wrong way to drink it is to not drink it uh i live in new england with my family they're awesome i love working with awesome people like brian and i love uh, helping my customers and partners solve challenges that are seemingly uh, insurmountable. That's it. That's it. And I think I think that's uh, why we get along, right? We uh, we have the same kind of mindset. So that's awesome, Chandler. Um, looking forward to our conversation today. You and I have had a couple um, that we weren't able to record that I wish we had, especially that first one. That was just yeah. that was great. But in in, a, in an effort to try to recreate it, I uh, figured we would have you come on the show. And uh, talk about you know pure storage, what it is. I, I you guys have been around for a while, so you're probably a very recognizable name. Um, but I know there's always some challenges in in maybe the way you know it's perceived that pure does things in terms of you know what is the raw storage versus calculated available and stuff like that. So we wanted to kind of go through that a little bit and uh, kind of uh, shed away any of the myths around. Uh, what would keep someone from looking deeper into pure storage just by glancing at the website and you know maybe having one conversation being like no 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 like I can't do that so let's let's kind of start with the history of pure you guys came out what probably fifteen years ago yeah that's a good question uh, man I'm gonna get in trouble when people hear this uh, so <laughs> I think we've been shipping gear I think for twelve years okay. It may be 11, somewhere in there. Everyone tells the story a little bit differently. Uh, we've been around, uh, you know, we spent a few years in stealth mode, building the product, building the platform, certainly setting the foundation for what we wanted to be when we grew up. Because everything, in, intentionality is a big foundational concept at Pure, not just for today, but from where we were, where we were going. We had incredible aspirational ideation uh from very early on right this yeah. is not a crawl walk it's a crawl rock crawl walk run from an execution perspective but you know we had a big hairy audacious goal a bhag if you will from those early days and we had um the chutzpah if you will to say hey we're gonna go do that yeah um so long-winded way of saying i think it's 12 maybe 11 years we've been shipping product uh, fun fact around that, 97% of the arrays are still in service. And we'll kind of wow. get into that, what that means here in a little yeah. bit. 
that's, but yeah, that's we've longevity been, for you. Yeah, we've been shipping product for uh, a little while. Nice. Yeah, and and to touch on you know kind of the what you were saying about you know you were came coming out in an industry that had been pretty well established, right? Uh, number of of well known names, a couple of people that are coming in there, but you were also coming in at a time where Flash was starting to get to the price point where people were considering it in their storage array environments, right? Um, but they were really only considering it if they had an absolute requirement for, you know, a specific number of IOPS. Um, and that's really what it was, what it was the, the problem that Flash was solving uh, at the time. And, you know, the idea was that if, you know, if you had, you know, n- insert vendor name here of, of uh, SAN array, you could get it with Flash or without, but underneath the, the code would be pretty much identical. Um, the way that it handled the data and the objects and everything would be pretty much identical. It was just, hey, here is just a faster medium for for write, reading and writing that data versus uh, spinning disk. But I remember when it was like two or three jobs ago now, when I was first introduced to Pure and first heard of it and looking through the website and you know, kind of going through the videos of like, hey, these guys are doing it differently because SSD storage was still pretty darn expensive and it was a limiting factor of who could actually get in and, and get uh, SSD uh, or solid state for, for, for their data because it was just really expensive. Mm-hmm. Um, and you guys came out with some pretty uh, ingenious ways of being able to bring that to the masses uh, by basically re-architecting the whole thing. Yeah, I think... You know, at that time, there was still there was absolutely flash in uh, in San, right? And but it was in different places. You know, I similar to yourself, I spent a long time on the customer side. I'm not a career SE by any means. Uh, so, and I think again, similar to yourself, I just kind of got tired of those 3 a.m. phone calls. So I was like, <laughs> hey, this, this still get to play with tech, still get to work with people, but this might be a far better way to do it. I think we saw that sand presented, or we saw that flash present itself in sand in really interesting ways. By no means did we have at that time uh, primary flash arrays, right? Crazy right. expensive. You don't need the performance. There was a lot of detractors and naysayers because of the cost associated with it. But we were thinking about it as an industry, or at least other people were thinking about it as industry in that same disk mindset. If we take those same architectural concepts and certainly the same uh, space efficiency, the the conceptual mindset and put it in a flash array, there's no one's gonna pay for this, right? right? Kind of similar to today, I saw an article a little while ago that, yeah, there's a lot of 8K panels out there, but there's very little 8K media to the point where some of the people making 8K panels are starting to pare back on the manufacturer processes uh, they're just not selling right right it, it's a chicken and egg scenario right yeah when you're, when you're doing that it's like you you have to you know cre- do you create the me- the media and hope that the device or the hardware will catch up or do you create the hardware first and hope that the media will catch up and especially when there's costs involved and organizations have to look at that bottom line especially if they're publicly traded right there's there's going to be those trade-offs mm-hmm but I yes. also remember too, like reliability of flash was definitely something of concern at the time as well, because you had a high price point, higher performance, but there was also, you know, when it came to, at the end of the day, if you wanted archival storage, you were looking at spinning disk. You were not looking at solid state because 
there were there and there still is right in, in at, in, at the raw end of it, there is still a limited number of rights you can make to a to a, a, a flash uh, uh, cell. Oh yeah, it degrades. Oh, absolutely. Wear health is incredibly important, and how you wear leveling is incredibly important. And to your point, cell health and cell strength, and how you manage all of that is important today, as is important it was then. Uh, we have not only getting ahead of myself just a tiny bit, but we haven't built the better mousetrap. We've just invented a different universe, right? Mm -hmm. The way that we... Now, back then, when we first got started, just to be completely transparent, we had not yet invented some of the conceptual stuff that drives our business today. We were using off-the-shelf SSDs, and we were shoehorning it into some, uh, I would say, normative server platforms, but our secret sauce was still software, Right. And our secret sauce then still exists today, where we had kind of up-leveled a lot of those hardware-type functions or uh, controller-type functions into the software to control a lot of those and drive a lot of those efficiencies. Kind of like I said before, we had thought and were very intentional about what we wanted the long-term growth to be. Even now, our chief visionary officer and one of our founders, Kaz, John, John Colgrove, he got up internally to us two years ago and said, hey, we haven't gone public with information yet, but we're going to take one of our, our internal pieces of IP and we are going to grow it from a, a, a drive size to this size. And we're like, okay, Kaz, like, yeah, I get it. Like, we probably will. But when he said the number, we were just like, that's that's wild. That's crazy. Like, we're not even halfway there yet, right? And then, a year later, we release the 75 terabyte DFMs, okay? And then, six months after that, we go public with saying, hey, we're going to have 150s in a year. So, it's really interesting. We keep saying and we keep projecting and we keep putting out there for our customers and our, our, our resellers and the people that we continue to do business with our ecosystem partners as well. Hey, this is what we say we're going to do. Then we do it. And then we have this 10 to 12 year execution pipeline of us doing it at a very high level with a very high execution rate. So to your point, not only are we driving efficiencies, uh, not only do we have a lot of arrays that are in service that continue to be in service because of some of our business programs and models that just, to this day, I, I'm certainly not here to just uh, speak ill will of our competition, I think is the PC way to say it. Although anyone who knows me knows <laughs> I wanted to say something different there. <laughs> we do it on our own merit, not at, not um, not because anybody else can't, right? We just, right. we're continuing to focus on ourselves. We hold ourselves to an incredibly high standard uh, because we know we can achieve it, right? We're, yeah. we're doing it all with better science, with better tech, um, and where we continue to surprise ourselves every day. Yeah, no, that's, that's huge because I think, you know, to your point too, especially in the beginning, I think the, the easiest way to be able to get to market with, you know, the vision of what peer wanted to be was obviously in software, right? Use, use the, use the merchant stuff where you can, right? Use white label stuff where you, where possible um, to kind of prove that, the idea is is right, uh, and the the whole idea with with pure, um, you know, for those that aren't aware, and you know, Chandler, please feel free to correct me or interject in any of this. Um, 
you know, when you when you mentioned building a better mousetrap, building a, a a whole different universe, it's true, because of the fact that at the time other uh, storage array network providers and solutions out there were simply just swapping a, a spinning disk with a solid state. They weren't looking at the fact that those two drives behave very, very differently. And Chandler, you listed off a few of those things in terms of um, uh, wear leveling and and cell health and all that stuff. That's not even in the um, in. It, it's not even in the vocabulary of mm-hmm. of, of spinning disks because the the physics is just completely different right you're you're working on and just just the way you look at it right a solid state versus a hard drive it's everything about it is different so mm-hmm. why would the controller and the array be identical and to that point i think especially very early on in the in the uh in the development of pure in the in the launch of pure you realized hey we can take advantage of the fact that when I write a file, for example, to um, a solid state drive, that stream is broken apart and and filled into, you know, possibly many different cells across the entire medium. And the same thing when I read it back, I can and I can read and write to those cells simultaneously. Whereas with spinning disk, I have to read or write sequentially. So I can take advantage of these huge performances but at the same time, also keeping an eye on wear leveling, cell health degradation, moving that data, because that's another thing that doesn't happen or at least doesn't happen very often on um, traditional spinning disks is excessive reads, reads and writes to adjacent cells can actually degrade the cell with you know other data that, that's on it. It can, it can morph it. It can, it can change it a little bit. So mm-hmm. being able to know that, hey – this cell, even though I haven't touched it, the data that's in here it needs to be refreshed. I need to read and write it back to to refresh it or maybe move it because that cell is going bad. These are all things that have to be taken care of. Uh, and when you're looking at something like uh, an array, you need to take that kind of logic out of just the individual drive and look at it across the entire array of drives. And this mm-hmm. is why I think it's so important of what you guys did just from a reliability standpoint, but now you take advantage of the additional fu- features and functionality is of with deduplication and compression that because of the huge increase in performance that you have now, you can take a lot better advantage of than you can on, on spinning disks. And I'll, I'll pause there to let you correct or add to any of those things that I just said. <laughs> no, no, no. I think, I think you're absolutely spot on. Right. And it, it's, it's, it's one of the things that we didn't, we didn't take an existing architectural concept and put in a new medium, right? Put a new coat of paint on it and say, you know, please buy it. It's faster. You're going to love it. <laughs> All of those things are true. And again, I, I'm not taking this opportunity, A, to talk with you. I love talking with you. But B, um, to conceptually open this up to a wider audience to speak ill of competition and field, right? Because there's a lot of different value that people can extrapolate and competition is better for consumers, full stop. 100%. I just think that we're so far ahead of the competition that, man, this is going to sound real jacked up. There's, (laughs) if, if you haven't taken a look at our stuff, please, please, please reach out. It's like, take, for example, 
again, architecturally, if people are just ripping out spinning disk platter drives and putting in SSDs, like even I don't want to get like turbo weird about this, like getting really, really into the weeds, but even taking the concept of the flash translation layer, you have to tell an array that is used to speaking to platters that there's a layer in that flash controller that, excuse me, you have to tell that the existing architecture, you have to convince it that it's actually a platter drive. Mm. Because again, everything you talked about conceptually, even down to the, there's not platters there. There's not read, write, CCADs, right? It's just a very different, a very different technology. Uh, and we, we can't just plug and play even with transport mediums and expect it to work, right? right. Whereas our, our technology was built from the ground up to be all flash from day one. Right. Now, again, yeah, we started with the commodity SSDs because that's what we had at the time. But setting that foundation, knowing we we're going to a full platform model, not just a product by product model, um, we, we started that, we saw that vision and, and went there. And then today, right. we don't use SSDs, right? We have a technology called direct flash modules. We source NAND. We build our hard drives, so to speak. And we plug them into the array and we elevate all of those processes that were normally giving that overhead on that drive and we put it in the software layer. So yeah. all of that happens in what we call purity. Nomenclature aside, it's kind of irrelevant, but all of that happens in purity, which is the software that runs the array. And all so, the telemetric... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so the, the, the disks, the hard disks that you said, the quote-unquote ones that go yeah. into the array, they're pretty much just raw NAND there there there's not really much in terms of of controller there because you've taken that and moved it to the array controller or am I misunderstanding yeah and depending on the depending on the DFM and depending on the product right I'm not going to get like uh I, we can get super weird super quick <laughs> and this could because we have essentially we have three product families Okay. Uh, inside of Pure, uh, one of the things that we started about eighteen months ago is we started to unify some of the underlying technologies that drive the innovation in these product families to get way more efficient, mm -hmm. to drive better supply chain outcomes for our customers. And if we ever find ourselves in another twenty 2020 twenty to twenty twenty one supply chain effort, and even into twenty twenty two, like even in the in the midst of that, we were able to drive far happier outcomes yeah. than some of our other competition because of some of those efficiencies. We just wanted to get really good at it. We wanted right. to get even better and hold ourselves to a higher level of standard. So, as an example, those DFMs that I talked about, there's a couple different product families that those drives can work in. Now the EPROMs are a little bit different. The firmware is a little bit different. So it's not just plug and play those sleds, but some of them have NVRAM on them, depending on the product family they're going into to accelerate some of those read write ops. Uh, so it's not, again, I, I don't want to get really weird really quick, but suffice it to say that we have looked at our product families where we can drive efficiencies within the supply chain stuff. But at the end of the day, you're exactly right. And I only bring up that caveat because I know I've got SEs on my team who are going to hear me say that. And they're going to say, you didn't bring up the NVRAM. And I'll be like, yeah, I know. Uh, so there we go. Uh, but yeah, so to speak, right? It's We source our NAND from a couple different providers just in case one of them yeah. either goes out of business, has a factory fire, whatever. We can still get, we can still get NAND flash. We solder it to a board. We put some orange on it. Spoiler alert, I wear a lot of orange. 
and we throw it into array and it starts, we start writing down storage. It's really that simple, right? A lot of the processing happens in software in our purity operating system. Uh, and then a lot of, uh, we have a, a cloud SaaS um, telemetric collection, um, not engine, but it's, uh, it's called Pure One, where a lot of value gets extrapolated across an entire fleet of arrays. Uh, uh, it's absolutely beautiful, brilliant. It's one of those things that there's very few pieces of technology that I've come across since uh, being a pre-sales SE that if they would have been around when I was a cus- on the customer side, I, ne- I probably never would have come over here to the sales side. This is one of them. I think Pure Arrays mated with Pure One, it just it is the simple, easy button without sacrificing any performance, any reliability, um, any data services, as he brought up with our DDoP and compression engines. It's just, it's like dumb, simple to the point where customers say, well, that's it. I'm like, yep. But again, you're not, we're not obfuscating any, any choice of, uh, man, it's just, you kind of run out of words to talk about it because it really is just that simple. Yeah. Right. Yeah, uh, it's, it's it's just simple. Yeah, it's it, just simple. And it's it's funny you mentioned the uh, the factory fire. Not that that's a funny topic, but I yeah, ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking. I was like, I was like, wasn't it flooding in? I think it was in the Philippines where or Malaysia where most of the hard drives, the the spinning disks were made, that mm-hmm. really kickstarted the price drop of SSDs and bringing them into mainstream because they were, I think two of the three major factories for the entire globe were impacted and brought down mm-hmm. for all these different vendors, you know, all, all the hard drive vendors, they, they still are manufactured in these couple locations. I, I just, that popped in my head when you mentioned, it. I was like, yeah, wasn't that kind of the, uh, uh, natural disaster that kick-started this, you know, drive to SSD. I think and- you're right. I remember, yeah, weird. I'm also, I build a lot of computers. I think it was the 930s or the 940 Evo Pro, the Samsung SSDs. Newegg had like a flash sale one day and my friends and I were watching it. And like overnight, the prices got cut in half. And I had Raptor 10Ks or Raptor 15Ks rated in zero before then huge huge power hogs loud loud but fast right and i was like man one of these days like i would love to to go to ssd but it's just way cost prohibitive and the sizes were different like my raptors i think were 140s i think i don't remember but it was fast yeah uh and then that that happened and it was just like overnight that was it like to your point the the price per uh, I think at the time it was price per gig, but the price yeah, per gig price came per down gig. to a point where it's just like, that was it. Like now everything is flash. And it seemed like consumer wise in very short order flash just became the thing. Yep. Yeah. And, and I, I, if I recall correctly, it, that's what started. It was the floods in Malaysia. Yeah. So it, it's, it's crazy. Just, you know, you remember things. It's like, man, <laughs> you live, you live through it. But I want to touch on one more thing. Um, I just just popped in my head too because that's yeah. how it works. Um, I want to make it 
perfectly clear because I, I don't, you know, you're kind of in the same boat as, as I am, right? We don't want to speak ill will of anyone, yeah. right? There is, there is nothing wrong today with putting in a commodity SSD into a commodity SAN and it'll work, right? As long as the interface is the same, there's, there is nothing wrong with that. But where Pure has really come into play here is by, by building the, the better mousetrap in a different universe, right? Is let's unlock the total potential of these things from every single aspect that we can look at it. Reliability, performance, dedupe and compression. Let's, let's take advantage of all those things that we're unlocking by, you know, architecting it in the way that you are. So you know, my my reason for saying is that I don't want people to be like, oh my god, I've got flash storage in a regular sand. Like, is this going to just crap out on me tomorrow? Not, you know, no one's saying that. It's just there's a better way to do this. There's a much more efficient way to do this. And you guys have really, from the beginning, figured out, hey, there is a ton of potential here that it's being untapped. And you know, as you said, starting it in software that's the that's the right place to do it when you're starting up, uh, and then moving it over and and getting to where you're at today. That's that's just huge. Um, we, I mean, anything you disagree on that statement, I just want to no, make sure no, no. we put that I, out. I completely agree with that. I think, yeah, I don't want to like, I, I don't want to infra shame anybody by any means, right? <laughs> I think, I think everybody is also at the mercy of what their business and can support, right? right? We, we, you and I both know as we've supported a lot of different organizations and teams over the years that there's what you want to do, and then there's what your checkbook can support, and then there's what the business is willing to invest in. Right, there's trade-offs. Right, and getting that Venn diagram to overlap, uh, sometimes that can be difficult. And then there's also the technologists that just want to play with the new shiny. And then they're constantly frustrated at work because, oh, if I could just get this person to see how much better this tech is, they would buy it. Well, here's my the more you know or my after school, school special to you. If you could speak in their language and quantify the business value and outcomes, more often than not, they would buy the thing that you want them to buy. Quit telling them how fast it is and start telling them how, what it'll accelerate, how much ta faster time to value that all these 10 business projects that haven't been off, able to get off the ground would happen with this piece of technology or this piece of software, et cetera, et cetera. Right? I think so much as technologists, we don't realize that how we communicate with these disparate teams is far more important than what we talk about. Yep. And for the people who do already realize that, I hope it didn't patronize you, but you know the ones that are out there. Yep. You're super frustrated because your projects don't get greenlit and you don't find budget for your gear. Shift. Yep. And this, yeah. this, is the, this is the best place for that message. The, I want to put the more you know logo right across the screen right <laughs> Oh, there. you're going to get sued so fast, <laughs> I man. Know. I know. Uh, yeah. we'll, just, we'll just imagine it. In a, yeah, know. yeah, yeah. Do, 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 do. <laughs> I don't, don't, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get pulled off of iTunes. Yeah. Uh, no, it, 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 and that's that's really it. And it's a conversation that you and I have both been having with customers for a very long time because, you know, we we work with certain people within the organization, right? Usually, you know, especially in the beginning, right? The net the net admins, the, the you know, maybe sometimes the sysadmins, depending on, on things. But you know, there was always that kind of, well, I have to bring this to, you know, the, the finance people. I got to bring it to these people. Um, and, and that is really the trick here is, is understanding how you can take what to you seems like such a, you know, this is it. This is, there, there's no argument here. This is 
absolutely the solution that I need. Don't care about price. This is just gonna this is gonna fix everything, and mm-hmm. translate it into the conversation that um, you know the CISO or the the CFO can understand and get on that on that same track. Uh, and when it comes to disruptive technologies like Pure, like uh, when we were talking on the last episode with the Nile guys, it's the same thing. Those are the those are the kind of headwinds that you're going to run into when you're coming in with a disruptive technology. Because Chandler, you and I heard it all the time. No one gets fired for for buying uh, IBM. No one gets fired for buying Cisco, right? Um, and I don't know if it was actually recorded on the last episode. I might have been. I, f- I forget because things start running together. But the uh, the pushback I got actually from the last person I mentioned that too is that you can get back. Yeah, but no one no one got promoted either. You know, mm-hmm. if you're not if you're playing it too if you're playing it too safe. Um, so there's there's a risk management there, and all the CISOs that listen. Uh, hope there's a lot. Uh, you'll you'll know, right? You're giving that trade off, um, and that's the thing when you're when you're going into a disruptive technology, that's that's what you're going into. So if if I'd like to, without putting you too much on the spot, uh, if we could, let's let's talk about some of those headwinds and some of the the kind of the pushback that you get when you're bringing this technology in front of uh, potential potential customers. Oh, let's do it, man! You are too damn expensive. Yes, we are more expensive than uh, insert vendor name here. Insert vendor name here. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, I gotta uh, bleep it out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think we are. We are. Uh, there's a couple different reasons for that. Um, we we are not that other vendor. So that's that's probably the first thing. Uh, we also do not. Um, we are very quick to talk about differentiated outcomes and how we drive those, right? We, we're very big on stories. I think a lot of people are. That's not unique. But I think we do it as an as a adolescent-aged organization going into our mid-teens, right? Like, we don't have to use ClearSail every morning when we go to high school, but like, people see us and they're just like, okay, you're out of your gangly phase. We're shifting from talking to ourselves, talking about ourselves a lot to now talking about our customers or hearing what their needs, wants, and desires are, right? Because no longer do we have to prove to everybody about how great we are. Our history has done that for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think one of the one of the challenges that we still face are costs because you could build the best business case in the world but one of the foundational core elements of a business case is still cost-benefit analysis. Right. Now, if the benefits are high enough to outweigh the cost, but someone's still got to stroke a check, right? We make up that difference in cost by providing a lot of benefits, but it's important that costs are comparative for value. So that's my long-winded way of saying you can compare different fruits. I hate that you can't compare apples to oranges because they're still fruits. You can compare them. It's they're ridiculous. Round, different colors. Yeah. yeah. Thank Tastes you. Different. Thank you. Right. But it's important that you line up uh, feature to feature or value to value when compared to uh, disparate vendors, facilitating the same architectural or solutions outcome goal. In that respect, we are incredibly competitive and more often than not, far less expensive than people get us credit for, but they, they get wrapped around the axle. My words, not anybody else's, so please don't take offense to that. When they see, oh, this array is 300 terabytes and that array is 300 terabytes and that array is 
20 to 30% more expensive. We have to go with the less expensive array. Right. Yeah. And then you have to license these three features. You didn't have to over here. And then what is the TCO on that other array when you hit certain years out with your maintenance? And what is the applications? What is the performance of those apps? And what is the manpower is related to those apps when they don't run as well and things like that? And a lot of people would say, well, why do you have to why do you have to get into that weird math just to justify <laughs> the value? I wouldn't necessarily say you have to get into weird math to justify the value, but I think it's a little naive to think that all of those things don't enter into a business discussion. Mm. And that's why I had my pitch earlier in, in regarding, hey, dyed-in-the-wool technologists, learn to speak that business side of the conversation, and you'll get your projects funded more often than not, because that's how business leaders think. Yeah. Right? It's... That is where we, uh, we sometimes meet little headwinds is when even our own teams maybe have a very longstanding relationship with the reseller or the end customer, and we haven't done a very good job of qualifying or preparing our people who are selling on our behalf internally to go fight that fight for us, right? right. Well, they love our tech, and they just it's an expansion upgrade, so why would we spend a lot of time with X, Y, and Z? What if they have a new VP that... Yeah doesn't feel the same way the previous leadership did about us, right? We need to arm those people with those conversations. We know we're great, but if we don't get everybody else on board, that can be a tougher road to hoe, specifically when we are objectively more expensive, but we just have gone out and provided you a lot more value for that money. If we were more expensive and there was no value, I don't think we would have the track record and the, the time in the market that we do with the constant continuous innovation, not to mention our MPS score, w w you know, we've got the receipts, right? right. You can talk to any reseller, <laughs> any, <laughs> any Puritan to show you that like, Hey, we've been doing this and it's not just architecture. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think, you know, to that point too, I was, I was putting a note here, like, is it hard to quantify? And I don't think it's hard to quantify because you can put together, you know, you can you can put in to get put together all the numbers right that are required. I think what it is is that it's more complex, or there's a lot more items to quantify to properly compare with the other vendors, and that can be a problem when you know vendors A, B, C, and D. I can literally take the spreadsheets out, put them next to each other, and be able to look at them. But now you come in and add pure to the mix, and it's like, well, you have to kind of interpret it like this, and this does that, and that does this, and this is over here. And a lot of customers, understandably, can be like, whoa, that's 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 too much. I just I just want to know how much it's going to cost me. I need 300 terabytes. Just I need storage. I don't really care. And you know, to that point. You know, maybe that's not the the best customer for you, but at the same time, they're doing themselves a disservice by not looking into that. They're not future proofing themselves. Um, you know, they're not looking long term at, at the longevity and uh, you know use cases of of this particular storage medium that they're going to be using. So you didn't do this on purpose. I know you didn't, and I can tell your audience you didn't do this on purpose because we didn't prep or talk about this. We didn't. But I'm going to perseverate on future proof. We've got a business model that I haven't talked about yet, but I kind of alluded to it earlier when I said that we we have an intentionality in our foundational model that started way back when, and it's this concept of evergreen. It's all over any of our stuff and any a customer, reseller, prospect, anything, they've heard this model. So if you know about this, 
I'm just reiterating what you already know. If you don't know about this, please, this is the point that, like, I think is one of the biggest points of differentiation. Not our technology, not anything else. It's this, right? And it spans. It's not just a business model. It's a foundational element of who we are. So at its core, it is this concept of always modern, forever modern, if you will. So remember when I said before we've got 97% of installed arrays continue to be in service? Yep. Right. That's that's what that's what brought me into the idea of future proof. So I'm, yeah. I'm excited. I'm excited because we did not. Yeah. We did. This is all new to me. I'm telling you guys, <laughs> we didn't plan this. No. Um, <laughs> we are in uncharted waters right now. Uh, <laughs> that. That concept of evergreen is something that's a core foundational element of us, right? So you as a customer, as a potential customer, et cetera, you buy into this concept of evergreen, right? And you can, there's a couple different ways you can procure. I'm not going to get into that because that's not what this is. Uh, but for the sake of argument, you, um, you procured an array under one of our business programs called Evergreen Forever, it previously was, previously was Evergreen Gold. So if you're familiar with that, that's that new transitional name. It's essentially your maintenance uh, and your subscription to innovation. So as we roll out, roll out new software features, you just you get them, right? Nothing new. A lot of different manufacturers have this, yeah. uh, both hardware, software, across technology, et cetera, and to include Pure One, right? As we roll out new things in Pure One, that gets added in as an Evergreen Forever customer. Right around your third year, you renew that maintenance, new controllers show up. <laughs> just new ones. New generational controllers. Like we just renewed from the R3 generation to the R4 generation. So it's, we follow, we use Intel processors in our years. So it's the TikTok model. Uh, within that new R4 model, we saw some crazy performance gains, specifically in our higher level. Uh, X-series arrays, like the X90. We also architecturally changed some of that stuff. Uh, I'm not trying to get really weird into the details, but just suffice it to say, we saw anywhere between 40 to 60% performance gains, just broad brush, and that's not application or use case specific. That's just on the array processing and writing down data. That's pretty rad. I think just as a customer, you just got that. Just one day you didn't have it, and the next day you did have it. And that's just for paying your bills to keep the lights on. Never mind the fact that that bill does not change. The day that you sign that contract, across the life of that, that bill stays the same. That's, wow. We call that flat and fair, right? So this isn't the, at the end of the contract, when you go to renew it, hey, by the way, we're going to hit you up and that's going to grow. It's flat and fair. That's exactly what it is. You can bring that to your finance department, to the business and say, I have a projected cost of what this is going to be and it's not going to change because it's protected legally and we're good, right? You can... You that's can, huge. That's absolutely huge. And then it's backed by a technology upgrade mechanism where you're going to stay on the latest and greatest. And that does a couple things for us too, right? We know that our fleet is going to stay modern. Yep. So we don't have to continually support older gear. Yep. We can continue to bake in newer features uh we can work on like our request for uh enhancements request for that that field nomination process 
I'll, I'll say. It's really interesting at Pure. It's different than any of the organization I've been at. Uh, it's There's a lot of good requests that come up from the field, and it's almost like a Thunderdome type, type style of... <laughs> Hey, who's going to get their feature into to PM and how's that going to get engineering committed? Because all the ideas are really, really good because of how quickly we innovate those features into Pure One or into the arrays or it, it's, it's really interesting, right? And that just keeps going. Right. All of this is non-disruptive. We do all of this non-disruptively because of the intentionality to the architecture. It's all stateless. The controllers are stateless. The storage is stateless. It's a dual controller architecture, so it's all stateless. So as you go in and you do these upgrades, again, the process, we do the failover, one gets promoted, blah, 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 but it's all stateless. I've got customers that do this in the middle of the day during the production while they're out to lunch. And they've done this across three upgrades. Wow. Not a care in the world. So when I say that we've got the receipts, I'm telling you we've got the receipts. This isn't <laughs> this isn't something we put on the slides and try to convince you to buy into it and hope that you do. And right. then in the back of our heads, we're like, we'll manage the CSAT when we get there. We just need them to buy it now. This is something that we have done and done since the beginning and continue to iterate on and get better, even though we're so damn good at it today. Yeah. This is a foundational element of our business. And that's why the evergreen nomenclature is littered around a lot of our stuff because it is who we are. And it's not just a procurement process. It's not just a couple different models or a couple different um, elements to how we upgrade your, your gear or how we let you procure things from us through a reseller or things like that. It is who we are, right? Uh, even to the point where we made the shift from SaaS to MVME from a transport perspective, that was all stateless as well. All evergreen, non-disruptive, middle of the day. We had customers that did it. It's wow. just from day one, our founders, the people who built this company, understood where they wanted to go. They put that on the wall and said, we're going to get there. We don't know how we're going to get there yet, but that's every decision is going to be guided toward that principle. And we haven't, we haven't wavered since. And so it's very confidence inspiring and very easy to walk in front of customers and tell this story because we do it, right? This yeah. isn't, it's easy. Well, right. it's not easy, but it's easy to tell the story <laughs> because. Easy to tell the story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. No, that's, so long-winded answer, but when you say things like future proof, <laughs> that's why we all Puritans get really excited to tell that different story. Different level of future proof. Yeah. Very different level. Yeah, no, that's, very that's, different level. That's that's game changing, and again, that's that's the message that the the people in finance, the people in the business, that's what they need to hear about because that for them, that's going to be the game changer, right? I mean, I I, I love the name, you know, because it's like evergreen. Huh? I wonder what it could possibly mean. I just I I love the name. I can't I can't get over that. That's great. Yeah. It's That's good. awesome. Now you guys have developed it. It you know when I first looked at Pure, and we, you and I talked about this when we when we had our initial call. Um, yeah, we're back on track. Back on track. We're no. This is this is all track. This is this is it. No, no, no. I understand, but I mean, we were out there for a little bit. I went that's off fine. script. I went Dude, off script. There is no script. That's why you can't go off. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> you can't, you can't go off script when there is none. Um, that's true. 
No, I know when, when you and I first talked, I kind of was like just wanting to learn about Pure for my my new role. And I told him, I said, listen, it's uh, I'm kind of familiar with it. I was introduced. I looked at it, you know, maybe a decade ago. And I think it does this, this, and this. And uh, Chandler was like, dude, you pretty much got it. So, Oh, yeah. He nailed it, by the way. Oh, hold on. Hold on. No, no. no let me set that stage. He goes, okay. hold on. I looked at Pure like in uh, 1987. Uh, <laughs> when I, was I had one. a couple different ideas, but this is – no, what do you say? He said, I read the website. Um, this was when he was a customer. We were evaluating for something, uh, but it was like these five – guiding principles did was i close and i was just like uh yeah you weren't even close but i'm half tempted to just fire off an unsolicited offer to you because you nailed it that was amazing brian jesus it was phenomenal well well uh you know if if things ever change i'll uh, give you (laughs) No, no, I was just glad that, you know, I understood it and that for the most part, the concept hadn't really changed. It had grown, had matured, had, it had evolved, but the the core underlying, you know, under, uh, I don't even know, the, the, the foundation was there. Um, and I think, you know, since I've looked at it all those years ago, you have, you know, more than one type of model of an array. I uh, just want to kind of go into some of the you know, use cases and some of the other features that really kind of stick out to you as like, hey, these are things that are either new or are, are really capturing uh, mindshare with with customers. Yeah, uh, great question. Great question. So, yeah, to that end, uh, I would say the majority of our business still continues to be Flash Array on the block side. No surprise there. I think that mm-hmm. still continues to drive... My words, not anybody else's uh, legacy workloads. And I don't mean that in a pejorative sense, but I think it'd be tough to argue where data is going. I think the future of data is incredibly, it'd be tough to argue that it's not unstructured. Structured Mm -hmm. data is where data growth was, but any type of research organization, anything like the tipping points already happened. Unstructured data is growing at an exponentially far greater rate than structured data ever did. Right. So structured data, block data, that's the majority of our business today, but that will change in the future. It absolutely mm-hmm. will. Uh, but flash rate continues to kick ass, right? We have a lot of different, um, we have a capacity driven flash array. We have a performance driven flash array. It's still, it's a rock star, right? A lot of different data services, a lot of different feature sets, all around uh, data availability, disaster recovery stuff. Again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to run down every single thing because we'd be here far longer than we will. I promise you that. <laughs> uh, on the unstructured side, we have our FlashBerry product line, uh, which was, interestingly enough, originally built to be an analytics a parallel like workhorse, which it it is, but what it's sold for and what and it's it's really one of those interesting things because you can, as a product team, you can work and build and work and build and in secret, you know you you have this idea, you build a business case around it, you bring it to the team, you fund it, you say yeah we're going to productize this, go build the thing, we have this idea of the market that we want to capture. And then you put it out there and it's, 
you know, we, you and I both have children. So it's like, what are our kids going to do when they go to school? We don't know. <laughs> but we hope we've done the right things that they do the right things. Yep. Yep. And then they tell a story of what they did at school one day and you're like, uh, huh? So <laughs> in that similar vein, the majority of what our flashblade is used for today is data protection because of how it's a throughput monster. It's incredibly fast ingest uh, and egress uh, speeds in and out of the box, massively parallel. And there's a one specific feature that was developed on Flashblade first, but it exists on Blade and Array called Safe Mode that makes it a very, very strong target for data protection. And mm-hmm. I'll get back to that in a little bit. And then finally, our, our third product, if you will, uh, is a product called Portworks, which just takes all the stress, anxiety, fear around microservices or Kubernetes-based architecture and makes it painfully easy. Like, painfully easy. If you are a DevOps shop, if you are a Kubernetes-based shop, either stateless or stateful, I don't care. I know you know about Portworks. I know you do. Because it was a monster before Pure bought them, and it's only gotten better. And the long and the short of it is that it provides enterprise data services around a K8's infrastructure. doesn't matter what flavor of K8's. We work with them all. Uh, some shops have gone to roll this on their own because it just didn't exist in market before Portworks. And a lot of those teams really enjoy building that tool set and that toolkits themselves. I totally get that. This, again, provides you that more service catalog type feel to those types of environments to operationalize it and make it far easier. Some people like it one way. Some people like it the other. Similar to our original conversation, there's no wrong way but also similar to our other conversation, Peer just makes it easier. Um, but going back to safe mode, I think it's really interesting that this originally started out of uh, an ask to cause, again, at one of our, our trade shows. Hey, wouldn't it be great if we could have a snapshot uh, on the array or some type of mechanism that would c- protect the data? And... That's essentially how the conversation goes. I wasn't there, but this is a <laughs> well-told story in the annals of Pure, right? And he goes, yeah, that, that's a pretty good idea. Let's run with that and see what happens. So around 2018, this feature called Safe Mode popped up, and it's a policy-based snapshot that is, uh, uses change blocks, so it doesn't, it, it's not crazy amount of capacity uh, to write down. Right. But it, you write the... Um, You write the snap down, and then it hides itself from anybody except us. (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty slick. And then say, I'm working along. Beep, bop, beep, bop, beep, bop, beep. And then you, being the nefarious type dude that you are, you compromise my creds. (laughs) The criminal mastermind that I am. Yeah, dude, you are (laughs) something else, right? And you compromise my creds, and you get into the array. And you're just like... should have been better than password one, two, three, Chandler. Well... Uh, They should have paid me more and it would have been. (laughs) And you, you again being, you know, you are a kingpin incarnate. So you start deleting data because you understand that that's, that's how you're going to get a good ROI. And you delete, maybe you delete all the snaps that you see. Maybe you lock up the last snap there. You go about the way you go about it. Maybe you're the joker and some men just want to see the world burn. Who knows? Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but regardless, you compromise that array to a point where data recovery is all but impossible, or so you think. 
Uh-huh. We, being the upstanding pure customer that we are, had listened to our account team and our SEs about six months ago <laughs> when they implored us to turn safe mode on. Okay, okay. Uh, and that's not super fair because there's some reasons why customers can't. So I just, I want to put that out there. I know a lot of customers do turn safe mode on, some can't. Uh, but really, if you are a pure customer and you don't have safe mode on, please turn it on. It, please turn it on. Make, and so what, what protect, you... Protect yourself from me. Protect nefarious, yourself. Uh... <laughs> protect yourself from Brian. If you're not making those shirts right now, you are missing a golden opportunity. All right. All right. We'll, we'll put in the order for that right now. Protect Cafe Express right now. So you set up safe mode. You get a couple different people from the organization. You call in. They generate pins. So it's an MFA type process, right? And everybody gets their pin and you identify up to five people in the org who are trusted people. And they turn on safe mode. Our peer support team turns it on. And again, it's all policy-based snaps. So it's not like something you have to manage and you set the policy. I have some customers that do 14 days. That's a lot. I have most customers do about four days to cover like long weekends and things like that just in case something happens while you're not at work. Mm-hmm. But again, there's no wrong answer outside of not running safe mode. <laughs> so <clears throat> all that's done. You log, I log in and I'm like, oh my God, there's just something that says Brian was here. That's crazy. I call him pure support and I said, uh, we've been compromised. I need to expose and we're a safe mode customer. I need to expose those snaps. They said, great. What's your pin? I give him my pin. They ask for one other person because it is MFA. That other person on the account calls in, whichever of the five that are identified. It's up to five. It doesn't have to be five, but it's up to five. They give their pin, and then peer support exposes that snap. And you'll see it in the GUI. It's like like that. That snap shows up. You mount it, and you start you start restoring your data. It's that simple. It's like the false bottom in the bend, the bottom of the safe. It's like the false bottom. A hundred. Per- I love that analogy. And that started in Blade, but now it's across Blade and Array, right? And the nice thing about FlashBlade, uh, it supports SMB, NFS, and S3. So a lot of our data protection partners talk in those protocols. So because FlashBlade is such a throughput monster, it turned out to be a great data protection target because of how fast it can restore data. And it really restores data as fast as your primary start storage. We had found, so we... We kind of did some work with Cohesity. We had, how do I want to word this? We helped them find some inconsistencies in their software that they didn't know existed because nothing had ever spit data back onto the wire as fast as Flashblade did before we started Ah, testing, right? Stuff like that. So I will say Blade and Array as a solution for data protection is a great, great pairing because of how fast Blade spits data back out and how quickly Array ingests that data. So we flip, we flip the, the data protection kind of mantra on its head where it's no longer about compliance of, yep, there's my data, there's my checkbox, it's all sitting right there. Now it's about like a tiered resiliency play where my Tier zero, as I like to call it, the run the business apps are sitting here where there's reputational harm to my organization. There's monetary harm to my organization if these apps are down, right? And maybe you have, maybe you have offloaded them into the cloud in some form or fashion. Maybe you have an active DR situation in a different data center. I'm not here to solution on the fly or rebuild your infrastructure. 
we're just kind of painting pictures. We point some of that stuff to Blade. We can get that back out super, super fast. We have some pretty serious hero numbers around that. Some of them are <laughs> hero numbers, right? But I've got some other customers with real world, like they're doing 100 terabytes an hour of restoration speeds. That's super fast. That's and insane. That's, a, that's on our first generation flash blade. Our second generation is far faster. Um, wow. So coupled with, fla- coupled with safe mode as a feature, and then that as a product, yeah, we can enable some really serious outcomes that the business, irrespective of what your role is in that business, can appreciate. Whether you're the technologist, your security practitioner, or you're in the line of business yourself, there's no one who doesn't understand that value and what that protection looks like. Wow. That's, that's incredible stuff. I apologize yeah. for being distracting and, and picking through my desk uh, drawer here, but... No, got me fine. thinking when you said uh, um, protect yourself from Brian. So non-physical security, right? Got to be oh. careful. Yeah, you want to you want to stay away from me there. But I took up a little bit of a hobby. So you ever seen um, uh, what's the guy's name on YouTube? Uh, lock lock picking lock picking lawyer. lawyer. Yeah. So I picked up one of these little kits. It's a it's a translucent uh, lock, and uh, going to demonstrate here live. This is a this is a fully Locked lock. I have the key, but I'm going to pick it. And uh, come on. It's going to make me a liar now, Roch. Live demos, dude. Live demos, you know. You always got to pray to the demo gods. Let's see. Oh, it's that one back there. It's acting up on me. No, you got to do it like him. There it is. Bump bump on one. <laughs> well, I can, I have the little bumper too, but this one's actually... And this is uh, this is six pins? Yeah. For those pins. listening and not watching, he did unlock it successfully, and the did. peasants rejoiced. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you want to uh, keep your data center safe from me. Um, watch. Dude, watch <laughs> out for Brian. That's got to be a thing now. I will. I promise you, you'll get the first shirt. Oh yeah, <laughs> I love it. Awesome. Um, so now that we've gone, you know, talk about getting weird, dude. Like you're trying to yeah. avoid it here. We we get weird here. That's just what we okay. do. Uh, it should be the it should be the second subtitle. Um, <laughs> so this is this is awesome. I'm really I think safe mode is is just very cool. And then of course the what you're able to do with backup targets, uh, being a backup target, and just spitting that data out as fast as as possible, just mind boggling. Um. I know we're we're getting close to the end here, and I want to give you an opportunity. If there's anything without without getting in trouble, I don't want you to, to share anything yeah. that's going to get you in trouble. Anything new or uh, or coming out soon that's kind of like wow um, that that we should be on the lookout that might be uh, you know something to keep in mind. Yeah, I will say um, the one thing that I haven't talked about that I would be remiss if I didn't. You know, we talked a lot about performance, right? Everything I've said has been like fast, 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 fast. which is great. I would argue that everyone has a role to play in that. Even if you think, well, I'm a, I've had this, I'm I'm a 10 person company. All of my stuff is, you know, in the cloud. What do you got for me? I promise you we have something there. Reach out to me. If it's not me, I can connect you with the right people. Don't worry. We are not your traditional. It has to be iron type of solutions organization. Where you you know you have when I say iron meaning you have to buy a box 
to right. to benefit from pure storage. Uh, one of the things, one of the last bastions of rust, as we like to call it, was that long-term archival storage footprint where you had tape or you had still 5,400 RPM drives kicking around from like the early 2000s because it was just super cost effective. Yep. And no one thought that we could bring flash into that space or anyone could bring flash into that space. But I, think as- I, called it, I think I called it beforehand. I, I think I even said glacial storage, you probably want a spinning disc and now you're going to prove me wrong. Yeah, well... <laughs> Or at least yeah, I'm going to prove you wrong. I'm going to prove you wrong. Yeah. <laughs> so people look toward us because we are the market leader in Flash. Like, what are you going to do about that? And we've we made a big splash, no pun intended, in a very big way of moving people toward all Flash data centers. But it's not for the reasons I think that people would immediately suspect. We want to get rid of disk. And let's be like perfectly transparent because it's better for our organization if we evangelize all flash everything because that's what we do. Right. But I think on the very subsurface below that, it's also better for the environment. Like we're not making more land and we're certainly not making any more time. If we can save you time and if we can take up a smaller footprint, thus reducing our power and cooling, that's good for everybody. And that's one of the things that we're doing in our e-architectures now, both FlashBlade and Flash Array, is we're driving far higher densities powered by those larger DFMs I talked about a little while ago, driving bigger densities and smaller footprints using less power, but doing it at the economies of disk, whereas now you can walk back to the business and say, hey, we're looking at this archival solution. What if I could do it for the power and the speed of Flash, but at the uh, economies of disk, with the ease of pure storage, simplicity, scale, things like that, all in pure one, all in purity, all the stuff we love from our primary storage, why wouldn't we do that? At the very least, why wouldn't we evaluate that? Even if you don't choose it, I think you're doing yourselves a disservice by not understanding that that's in the market, uh, that is driving uh, a lot of attention. And I, I, I want to put my flag out there, the first Flashblade E sold around the globe was done by a member of my team. I'm not going to say his name because I didn't talk to him beforehand to say if I could do that, but I'm so damn immensely proud of him because he ran the whole thing soup to nuts, did an incredible job of getting out there and evangelizing what that product could do because we lost the deal beforehand. Mm -hmm. We went in there with a very expensive uh, solution. It just, it wasn't going to happen he said, yep, I get it. You know, thanks, thanks for the opportunity. Flashblade E came out. He took a look at it, could still hit the performance level that they were looking for at that right cost per terabyte and went back in and said, well, what if we could do it for this without mm. sacrificing anything? Let's put this together and see what it looks like. Let's get this tested and go. And then nailed it and sold the first one. Wow. So I think we really are going into areas where people thought we were just going to be that tier zero, tier one, like high performance thing. We don't want disk, yes, because it's better for us, but B, because it's better for the environment. I think right. we have a vested interest in doing what we can to keep to keep cooling down, to keep power down, because again, it's, we're not creating more land, we're not creating more time, so if we can save you on both, why wouldn't we? Yeah. No, that's, that's huge. Um, and it, it definitely is not something I was aware of. I mean... <clears throat> 
as you said, I would have considered you guys at that tier zero, tier one kind of, you know, application. In fact, when you and I had initially talked and I was asking you about, you know, backups, I think I just brought up the topic of backups. I wasn't even thinking of using pure as a target. I was thinking more along the lines of, hey, well, hey, what if I, you know, I've, I've got to do my uh, my three, two, one on 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 data, right? And I want to get it off of the uh, array for you know protection uh, somewhere else. Um, I hadn't even thought of it as as a target, uh, which you very quickly and and correctly pointed me is like, hey, you should, you absolutely should, especially when mm-hmm. you're talking about recovery. That's you want that to be fast. You want that to be quick because every time. Every minute you're down is 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 revenue lost, is business disruptive uh, disrupted. So, yeah, no, that's that's huge. Um, Chandler, you you mentioned this, and I'm going to. I usually wait till the end to mention it, um, <clears throat> but I think it's definitely worth um, mentioning again because it's um, because of how things have changed here with the podcast. But absolutely have a discussion with us. Let's keep the conversation going. If you have questions, if if, if you're not sure and just want to be like, hey, I don't know if this is a good fit, right? Because it sounds like just from the the last thing you were talking about, what was it? Uh, I know it's something with an E. Yeah, just our E family. E family. Yeah. Um, so even if it's just like, hey, let's just run through the calculations real quick. Um, you don't know maybe who your, your uh, peer partner is. Um, obviously reach out to me, reach out, uh, join the discord. That's really going to be where we're, we're wanting to continue and, and grow the conversation. And I haven't even brought this to, to, to him. So I'm going to put him on the spot Chandler, We'd love you to join the discord and be on oh, there. Man, I'd be happy to. That'd be great. So I'll we'll have Chandler to. on there. You can ask him directly and, and maybe we'll get some people there that, that use it and can talk to you directly. But that's really what we're looking to grow here now in, in the next chapter with the podcast, uh, with my role at driven now to, as, as a partner, to you know, not be limited by just saying, "Oh, well, you know, reach out to your local account team." You want to come and talk to me? You come and talk to me. You send me an email. You send me a message on Discord. Whatever. Let's let's talk. Let's let's get you in front of the people that you need to. Um, and it sounds like Chandler, you know, you're you're in the same boat as far as just wanting to be able to to help facilitate those questions. So as I said, I usually wait till the end to do it, but I think it's important to to call out here. Uh, with all the changes and and just because I think this is super super important to understand. Yeah, um, for sure. Going forward. And I'll and I'll say, like for those, I mean, Brian's brand stands on its own, right? I think that's it, it's absolutely sterling and fantastic. I, I would, well, I mean, look, dude, fifty bucks is fifty bucks, but <laughs> uh, <laughs> driven. Also, for those not aware, for those who maybe like. There's nothing, I don't even know why I'm saying that. If if anyone finds me credible, Driven is awesome as well, right? Like where that organization came from, the people that started it, the foundational elements in that business and where they're trying to go and what they're trying to achieve, just as sterling, just as uh, high quality, well-regarded individuals in technology, super, super focused on positive business outcomes and driving deep relationships that are going to stand well beyond what can you do this deal, right? Yeah. So if you are looking to evaluate your technology resale organization, uh, I would be very hard pressed to find somebody else that you should look at. So definitely give them a shot. 
I, I appreciate that, Chandler. It's always a difficult thing to for me to kind of walk that line in terms of, you know, self-promotion and then, of course, you know, don't want to, you know, get you in any type of trouble for, you know, oh, I'm going to promote myself and, and my yeah. my partner organization and it's linked with this vendor. You know, we're all of that, you know, all the red tape aside, right, at the end of the day, um, you know, we're here to help, period. And, yeah. you know. We're, we're, we're all here to help. I think we're all at the end of the day, just trying to help people get to where they need to be on their digital transformation journey. Um, and, uh, Chandler, I really appreciate everything you just said. That's, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. Yeah, man. Um, any, uh, any more final thoughts or do I owe you another $50? <laughs> no, you don't. No, it's a discounted structure, right? So it's like <laughs> one for 50, two for 75. Uh, no, okay, okay. um, I, I had an absolute blast, right? I think, Having the conversation is fun for me. I hate it when it feels like a plug. I'll be honest, there's a couple different times I felt like this was a little pluggy, and I apologize to your audience if you guys felt that way as well. Call me out on that in the comments <laughs> if you did feel that way. Uh, I, think it, I think it navigated it good. I think, I think that, yeah, that's okay if it did. Um, I'm just, to be honest with you, it's just my passion around the product, around the platform, and how we help the people that we help. So it wasn't intentional. But I just, I love the conversation. I love talking with Brian. Uh, and I love, I really love to help people. And then uh, secondly, if you want to talk about whiskey, yo, let's do that. <laughs> Very happy to do that. That would be fun. Nice. Nice. Yeah. We'll have to, we'll have to already, we're, I'm already thinking of uh, sub channels we got to make on the, on the okay. Discord now. I have to make a whiskey one for you. You can run that. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Awesome. Yeah, be fun. Chandler, thank you so much for being on, and thank you, dear listener, for joining us on this episode of Conf Tea with your SE. Um, we've got some more crazy stuff uh, planned going forward. Uh, again, join the discussion on our Discord, discord.conftea.show. Super easy to remember. And uh, until next time, stay safe out there, and don't forget to save that config. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Conf Tea with your SE. For more information and resources on today's topic and others, check out the show notes on our website at conft.show. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future topics, drop us a line at hello at conft.show. And remember, if you found this episode informative and entertaining, please help us spread the word by rating and reviewing the show on your favorite podcast platform and sharing it with your colleagues and friends. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, this has been Conf T with your SE.